My name is Summer. And my name is Nicole. And we are financial advisors. This is the He's Gone, But the Money's Not podcast. We have worked with many widows during our careers. Although we are not widows, we see the need for solid financial education before and after losing a spouse. We do this by telling stories from widows and our own lives. All right. Today on the podcast, we have Melinda Sliding. Welcome, Melinda. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here to share my story. Great. We are too. So maybe we just jump right in. Tell us about you, your story. Start from the beginning. Okay. So uh, my life changed overnight. It really did when my husband got a diagnosis of cancer at 59. Uh, I was 54 at the time. Uh, It was a big shock because... He was a health nut. Uh, Metastatic melanoma. He had 19 tumors in his brain. We had no idea. So prior to that diagnosis, he was hiking, playing tennis, lifting weights, super healthy. Um, He had a career he loved, a boss he loved, a job, everything was great. Um, Life was going on swimmingly. We enjoyed everything we were doing. We had plans for the future. And then, boom, everything's changed. Um, So he uh, went to uh, the hospital, um, Huntsman. He got fabulous treatment. And they gave us a prognosis of possibly four years with treatment. Um, Six and a half weeks later, he passed away. Whoa, that's so fast. Right. Very much of a shock. Um, So I uh, had to take that all in and decide overnight what I'm going to do with my life, um, with my kids, everything. Um, Interestingly, my son was getting married, so my husband passed away. A week later, we had the funeral. A week after that, my son got married. Wow. So it was a lot to take in. Um, I tried to make his day as beautiful and wonderful as possible. And so we did do that. Um, Danced the night away, had a really great time. But reality definitely hit after all of that. and, And I had to get busy taking care of things financially, which was never my role. Um, He always took that role. I had my roles. It was unspoken, but we just knew who took care of things. And so when that happened to me, boom, it's all on me. Yeah. Yeah. The division of labor is really helpful, right? It makes things more efficient. You're not burdened so much. Right. And we just, it always was simple. We just knew what we were in charge of um, and life went great. Mm-hmm. So the big shock to me was is that I never went online banking one time. I didn't like it, didn't want to, didn't know how to, didn't care to learn. But now I have to do it. So that was a big shock for me. Um, a lot of things were very, very crucial time-wise. He had had a tax extension. So he died in September and the taxes were due. I couldn't even remember who our tax guy's name was. I think it was, I I thought I I remembered his first name. You know, I just was shocked with all of this stuff that came about and I had to deal with it immediately. 
wow, I can't believe all the things that just hit you one after right. another. That's they so hit wild. very, very fast and they were time sensitive. I had to take care of them. So let's talk about the taxes. How did you end up finding the guy's name? Well, I started thinking, okay, what's his name? What's his name? I think I remember a name. Um, I looked in some phone records and I said, yeah, yeah, I, I'm getting this. So I did call him went to visit him at his office. Um, he, he had a really good relationship with my husband, so kind of friend. So it was a shock to him too. Um, he sat me down and told me the reality is um, I've got to pay a big chunk and I don't have enough in my bank account. So where do I get the money? What do I do? Where do I turn? So there were a lot of crucial things needing to happen um, right away. So I realized I needed a team. I needed help. I can't do this on my own. Yeah. Wow. So had you ever met the CPA before the accountant? I had through, it was through a mutual friend, but I never cared about money. I didn't care about the financial stuff. I wasn't interested, like I said. And so you take care of it. I don't really need to to know or find out. And I trusted my husband. So I just let him run with it. Yeah. I'm, how did you even know that he had filed for an extension? Like, did you talk about that well, kind of we, stuff? Well, we kind of talked about a few things, you know, just, just in passing, conversation-wise. So I had an idea, you know, and um, so I sort of knew that that was coming up. It wasn't really on my radar, but now I had to get my radar search going much more broad. Mm -hmm. And so I started thinking, okay, what are the things that are going to be really important? And that was a number one. Mm -hmm. Okay. So taxes came. You got to worry about that. What was your next big thing you had to take Well, care the of? next big thing was, is, uh, okay, now financially, what do I do? I know my husband had a lot of investments, um, a lot of things that I needed to take care of and find out where they are, what to do, where do I go. So I definitely needed an attorney. I needed a financial guy. I needed all these people working for me, which I never thought I would have to do or you know take care of that kind of thing. So I started the search. Um, I had a little brother-in-law who was an attorney and he swooped in, helped me so much. So that was kind of a number one. And uh, I talked to my family um, through a family friend. I found Bob, who was, uh, you know, a, kind of a godsend financial guy because I felt like he was a friend of family. So that gave me some trust. Went to see him, felt instantly comfortable, felt like I really had someone, you know, who had my back, who was interested in only servicing me and my needs. And so I thought, all right, I'm starting to feel better. Yeah, I think that's a good point because we see that come up a lot where uh, family members come in to help. And sometimes people don't like to work with family or you're not sure if the family, whoever the family recommends is trustworthy or that the family member is trustworthy. So how did you feel, how did you know that your brother-in-law would do a good job for you or like that Bob who's referred to you by family would do a good job? You kind of talked about it. Right. Well, I, I trust the character of my family. Um, you know, I've never questioned that. They've always been there for me. So I in turn want to be there for them. You know, it was a trust thing. So That's I helpful. knew that they weren't going to steer me wrong. Um, coming to meet Bob and the office and just 
the instant kind of um, comfort I felt. Um, when I got the really large insurance payment. Life insurance, right? Life insurance payment. I didn't even have a savings account. Um, I had a checking account with my husband, joint only. And I thought, where do I put this chunk of money? I didn't even know what to do with that. So by doing that, I went through my very large bank and I felt like there were some financial guys who were more interested in their uh, bottom line than mine. I just didn't feel comfortable. So that's when I thought I've got to get somebody who really um, is working for me and not for them. Great. Yeah, that's a really good point of just kind of trusting your gut, right? Right, right. I didn't feel good about... um, the ones that were contacting me after, you know, they saw the big chunk that I put in from the life insurance payout. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I guess we should clarify, Bob is a financial advisor. Right. So you, somebody you referred to by a friend mm-hmm. and then, um, so you found a team to help mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. So what's next? Like what's your next big hurdle you had to conquer? What's the next big hurdle? Um, there were a lot of hurdles. It seemed like there was hurdle after hurdle after hurdle. I had to, uh, We lived out of town um, from the place that I wanted to live. We had bought property and were going to retire in Salt Lake City. Um, We had some beautiful property up Immigration Canyon. We were going to build our retirement home there. So we were living in Reno at the time when my husband passed away. So I realized, oh my goodness, he passed away here in Salt Lake. I've got to get back there and take care of everything, which meant sell a home, sell cars, do all this stuff, which was never my forte, never my desire to do, but I knew I had to do it myself. So that was a big trip to go back. Um, I had a wonderful son-in-law who was kind of a computer guy, genius. He traveled out there with me, stayed for seven days. He helped me take care of immediate accounts that had to be switched over, uh, cleaned up. Um, I threw a friend, I got a realtor. I used a lot of friends. It was it yeah. was a village. Word of mouth is the best way usually to find it. It was a village contact. who started taking care of me. And I always had a problem with that. I like to take care of myself, but now I need a village. And I realized that. So got to sell the home, uh, got to sell a car. Then I found out one of the cars we owned was only in my husband's name. So that was a big shock to me when I go to the driver's license division to just try to switch it over, you know, so that I can drive it home. And they said, "Uh, no, this is not in your name. And by the way, you can't drive it because on your insurance, your husband would authorize you driving, but we cannot, a dead man cannot authorize you. It was kind of a very cruel reality. And I said, well, I need to drive this car home. So what do I do about that? So my advice for that, if I'm giving someone advice, get everything in joint names, even the small things. You know, he went to buy that car on his own. I was out of town and I thought, just go ahead and do it. It'll be fine. But it wasn't fine. And that took a lot of tricks to get it into my name. Yeah. What did you have to do? So, well, I had to involve my attorney, who was my little brother-in-law, who was wonderful. And he had to jump through some hoops. I was surprised with how hard it was. And it was a different state. Um, so he had to get some paperwork done, mail things back and forth, sign things back and forth. I did a lot of signing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got really good with my signature with all of this process. Yeah, do you have to get a notary? Oh, uh, yeah, many, many, many times I had to get a notary. Um, 
you know, I go to little notary places. I, I just really had to, the learning curve was large. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, that's crazy. I didn't even know about the insurance thing. I never thought about that one. I guess we have a little bit on how we've heard about on houses. So what should he have done or you have done? We should have had the car in both of our names. And then the insurance should have also been in both of your names. Right. And so with the insurance, you know, you can always authorize your daughter or someone else to drive your car if you have insurance and it'll just go on yours. But they told me, well, he's not here on earth anymore, so he can't authorize that. So I'm not allowed to drive it. So I realized I don't really have insurance to, with the car. Um, I don't own the car. I can't, I'm not supposed to drive the car, but I need to drive this car back and I need to, you know, get this all settled. So yeah, what a mess. That was, that was There was a lot of little messes that didn't have to be messes if we were smart in the beginning. But you just don't think about some of the things, right? Like you said, well, oh, you, you don't think a- about it. Yeah. And yeah. so luckily our our home was in both our names and the realty company was great with that. They took care of all that paperwork. So that wasn't too hard. Um, I did make money on the home. So I felt good about that. It was a good time to sell. That was nice. I had a little, a little kind of beat up Honda I needed to sell. So I cleaned it all up stuck a sticker in the window while I was driving to the gym. Someone stopped me on the street and said, I'll buy it. <laughs> That's good. But then I had to figure out, you know, how do I transfer that over? There was just a lot to learn. Sometimes my head was spinning with all of the the things I had to learn. Yeah, that's hard. Um, did your husband and you have a trust? So, will? yeah, here's the other big time shocker. Um, he was 59. I was 54. It's all relative, right? We felt very young. Mm -hmm. So we were healthy. He was extraordinarily busy with work. We thought we're, you know, we have plans for the future. We don't need to work on this now. You know, a lot of people do that. They say, okay, let's put that on the back burner. I know it's important. But for us, you know, we were the same. We don't need to do this right now. We'll do it later. It's going to cost money. You know, I'm too, too busy. So you want to be really, really busy, don't do it because then you're going to have to go through probate and you are going to be talking three years, which was my story, three years to get through probate. So do it. Go out there, get the trust, get the will, get the advanced directives, do all those things. And I know I'm going to say this and people are still not going to do it, but that's my biggest lesson. Mm-hmm. Get those things done legally. Yeah. Well, let's let's tell people what probate is. And I mean, that will scare them into doing it. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, just, just, I had to just get everything changed over to me. Um, so. And you had to do through, through the court system, right? Through the court system. And we're talking different states and all of that, which have different rules. And do you have any idea how much you paid in legal costs to go well, through probate? Well, well, here's the great thing. Um, I used family. Yeah. Okay. So my cost was much more minimal, but it would have been a lot. And, you know, if you're thinking and you're telling yourself, we don't want to spend the money now, we don't need it. We're young you're going to be spending a lot more later. And then you have everything done and you feel a sense of safety and well-being if you get that done. Yeah. So we did have a little time when he was diagnosed to get a few things in order because honestly, we had nothing in order. We were very naive. Um, so we started working on a trust. We had a, a, a different attorney come to our home while my husband was sick and we started working on a trust. Um Got it all ready. He passed away before he signed it. Oh, no. Yeah. So 
So that was very unfortunate. Um, things could have been so much easier. Mm-hmm. Was there anything else that you did between his diagnosis, after his diagnosis? To right. Help so immediately I had zero phone numbers, contacts. I had no email passwords of his, and he was very cryptic. He was very um, careful about security. So his passwords were not simple. <laughs> so I did sit him down and say, you know, um, and it's a hard subject to broach. Yeah. You are sick. I do need to take care of some things possibly, you know, if you're not well enough to do so. So can we sit down and do some numbers? So he did give me a list of the HR department at his work, a um, couple of key people I should contact. That was really a godsend. I used that so much. And then he did write down a bunch of passwords. I would have been lost in the forest without those passwords because everything is online now. Mm-hmm. And I'm not great at it. I'm not, computers don't really interest me. Um, so I have to force myself to learn. And this is where my son-in-law really came in and helped me do a lot of things. Yeah. And now you have to do a lot of things online now, right? And so now I have to do a lot of things online. And what I found out is I'm actually a better banker than my husband. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you say that? I'm better. Um, I pay everything on time. I check things, you know, I go in there. I feel competent now with my little app and I just make sure everything gets done. And I know it's getting done. So there's, there's something to be said about about that, um, your own control of issues now. You're not guessing. So now I've learned more. I can do more. I'm not guessing. I know what's happening. You, before you felt like you were guessing on like Oh, before budget. I just, uh, I was in La La Land, to be quite honest. I just knew he would do it. I trusted him implicitly. Um, it was not something that sounded fun for me. So there we go with being naive again. Yeah, but this is a big thing that usually the finance role gets divided out to one person when really the finance role could be a lot of things. Like you could have been doing the budgeting the whole time and paying the bills because like you said, you're better at it. Yeah, yeah. So I could have taken on more of a role. Would I have wanted to? No, but I am now and I realized I can do it. That's great. So that's another thing I learned is that um, you can do hard things. You know, and a quote I like to remember is, um, you don't know how strong you are until strong is your only choice. So you've got to step up. you got to be tough. you got to be strong. you got to realize you can do it. Um, I'm a doer. I like to get things finished. I like to, you know, check the box, make my list smaller. But I realized with this probate, I'm going to have to wait. I'm going to have to be patient and I'm going to have to try not to have too much anxiety about it. That was hard at first. I wanted to get things done quick, quick, quick. And that's not the legal system. So I had to really back myself off of that and just let things happen in the time that they happened. I got a little frustrated sometimes that they weren't going faster. Um, So that was a big lesson for me to kind of let things flow and they will be okay. Things are going to turn out all right. You know, when you think that the mountain is too hard, too tough to climb, one step at a time kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. and um, you're going to summit and it will be downhill. So that's some advice I would give too, is it's going to work out if you just keep chipping away. And that's just what we did. Kind of a funny story. I was a little frustrated that things weren't going so quickly. I wanted them to be done faster, but that meant um, the investments that I had sat in the same place for three years and ended up making quite a bit of money. So (laughs) had I had moved them, I might not have made that money. So that was just a lesson to 
be patient. It's going to be all right as long as you keep working. Yeah, great. Can we go back to a couple of things? Sure. Um, you said you sold your house in Nevada. Mm-hmm. Did you have to pay any taxes when you sold it? Oh, on the sale of it. Well, I'm trying to remember back to that. Um, you know, it. You have all the fees, of course. You know the realty mm-hmm. fees and all those kind of things. And yes, I did have to. It did come around um, in the taxes the sale of the home. And, um, you know, and and luckily I feel like I can trust my tax guy to take care of that stuff. Everything was a big shock in how much things were, Mm -hmm. you know, I was in charge of buying things and saving money and I'm, I'm just naturally frugal. Now I'm realizing how much money goes into property tax bills, you know, uh, cars, homes, all the things that aren't that fun to spend money on. I'd rather go shopping in LA, but you have to spend your money doing the things that are necessary. And that's just living life, which I didn't realize how much that costs. Yeah. How's that changed? Has that changed anything you do or? Um, I'm still naturally frugal. Uh, so I like to be, um, but I realize I have to keep a heads up with how much I have. And that's where Bob comes in. You know, I sort of, I sort of feel like, He's sort of, hey, dad, can I have my allowance? You know, but that's a good, that's a good buffer and a good step for me because I feel like he will keep me, you know, on track. Keep you from running out of money. Right. Running out of money. I want to make sure that I can live. Apparently I can live till I'm a hundred. So I think I'm good to go. (laughs) But, you know, it still is scary when inflation comes around, you know, things change and you think, is that money going to last? And that's where I have the comfort in knowing that he's investing things safely. You know, we talked about that. You know, what's my style of risk that I want to take on? And so he really listened to me and um, we've got a good thing going. That's great. Great. Tell me about your kids. Yeah. So I have two kids. They're both married. I have one granddaughter. She's just the light of my life. It's just Mm -hmm. so much fun. The nice thing with my husband is he knew that she was coming. My daughter was pregnant at the time. So that's really kind of sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, she came, he left, you know, that's kind of, Oh, your granddaughter was born before your husband. She died. was, she was born right after. Yeah. Oh, wow. You had so many after. things happen. A lot of big things happening, a big year. Wow. Yeah. But it was a beautiful thing. And it, it, you know, there was a lot of smiles in that. So I, that was very welcome. Um, you know, it was hard on my kids, even though they were young adults, you never want to lose a parent. It's, it's tough. So that was, that was hard on them. Um, I think we all had the best attitudes we could have about it. Um, we had a belief system that helped us along. Uh, I, I looked about, you know, I, I thought to myself, what do you think he would want? What do I want? He was just so wonderful when he was sick. He did not complain one time. So I said to myself, how can I complain while I'm still here? So, um, kind of, you know, kids were the same way. We just felt grateful that we knew him for as long as we did. And we want to kind of keep his legacy going. I feel like that's kind of part of my duty to sort of keep him alive. So it kept us positive. Mm -hmm. What kinds of things are you doing to keep his legacy going? Um, well, we talk about him all the time. You know, we have family dinner every single week when there's holidays, we talk about all the things that 
we remember about him, how wonderful it was. Um, he had a lot of writings that he did. So I saved all that stuff. Um, he was just an avid reader. He was always trying to improve himself. So we feel like we want to kind of continue that. Um, he, he flew every single week for six years, uh, traveled and, um, Sometimes I would go with him, had a buddy pass. You know, that was one of the real perks of his job. He traveled every week. So I still have airline points. Wow. <laughs> so I, we, just, we just went on a trip last week and I'm using those points. And that just kind of is a little reminder. And I, I, I just say thank you for keeping me safe, having life insurance, you know, having that job that sustained our family and me throughout the rest of my days until I'm a hundred. So I'm grateful for him every day. I still, even after four years, think about him every single day. There's just too many things. There's too many good memories. And, um, and I'm glad for that. I hope it continues. Yeah, that's great. And the house that you are in now, you bought with him, right? I did not. So I sold our home in Reno, came back here, and my parents built a home. My mother was in her 90s, so for two years, I took care of her in her home. Uh, It got to the point where it got to be just a little bit too challenging. She needed to go to assisted living, so that was opened up that I could buy that home, purchase it. Talk to Bob about it. I always run everything past Bob. Um, He said, well, you can do it. So that gave me the green light pretty scary. Um, I just paid cash for it. Scary too, but I felt like that was a good solution for me. Um, so now I've got a beautiful home, take care of it myself. I snow blow, I mow the lawn, (laughs) I do it all because I enjoy it. So I feel like things are going well. And I also feel like it's a sense of accomplishment. It's a realization that I can start the mower, you know, I can do things that I didn't do in the past, um, learned a lot again, you know, so there's a sense of ownership, pride to that feeling like you, you know, you can do these things. Yeah, that's great. During this whole process, you had so many things going on and, you know, kind of a complicated estate that you had to take care of. How did you manage your grief while you also had to be holding it together for these family events and to get your finances in order. Right. I realize that grief is different for everyone. There's no right or wrong way. Uh, I read in a C.S. Lewis book, it said, no one ever told me that grief felt so like fear and maybe not so much fear, but suspense. I don't know what's happening. What's happening next? What do I do? How do I do this? It's suspenseful. It's a little frightening. So I read every book I could. Um, When he passed away, one of his old high school friends left a book on my door. Uh, She said that her husband passed away also, and the book really helped her. So I just turned the pages, turned the pages, and tried to take all of the positive knowledge I could from people um, who'd gone through it themselves, from books I could read, um, you know, blogs, anything I could get that was going to help sustain me help me move forward. Didn't want to slide back. I wanted to move forward. I felt like he uh, taught me and I needed to prove that um, I listened to him too. He had, you know, 
he was a brilliant guy. And I felt it was my duty to kind of extend that brilliance into my life. So um, I handled the grief really well. Some people maybe thought a little too well. They thought, you know, she's kind of doing too well. This is going to hit her later. But I just, just kept plugging along, kept going. So for me, uh, I think it was important for my kids to see that. You know, um, it it helped me, it helped them, it helped us get along. I did do plenty of crying on my knees, you know. Uh, it's natural and it's helpful, but I wanted to stay positive because that's where I like to reside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody does grief differently. Yeah. Really, did you have people make comments to you that you're taking this too well? Uh, uh, I... I had, there was a sense that, you know, wow, uh, she's really going to have, if she doesn't, you know, really grieve, she might have some trouble later, but I was grieving in my own way. Mm -hmm. And that's why I would never disparage anyone for the way that they choose to grieve because it is very personal. But for me, I thought life is so precious. I know that now more than anything because I can see how fast it can be stripped away. So I don't want to waste a single day. So I tried to to keep it on the sunny side as much as I could without uh, being superficial. You know, if I needed to take some time out, I did. Mm-hmm. But I just had a lot of gratitude because, you know, he left us pretty secure, which feels good. Um, had he not, I do realize that I would still go out there, work, do whatever I needed to do to keep my precious life here uh, valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. Is there any specific book that you thought, you know, you'd recommend? Is there one that stands uh, I out? I think the one, I think it's called Seven Choices. Uh, I'm not exactly sure the author, but I think it's called Seven Choices. It was just about kind of seven different stages of grief that people tend to go through. So you realize, okay, I'm normal. Everyone goes through these stages. I don't have to hurry through it. I can do it on my timeline. But it really helped me to realize that everyone's going to encounter this sometime in their lifetime. People are here. They are born. They live and they die. We're all, you know, we're all, we have mortality to face. So it's going to be your parents. It might be a child, which I think would just be just really the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, your spouse, a lot of time, the statistics are women will live longer. Yeah. It's 70% of women will outlive their husband. Right. So I've realized that, but I thought I would be an old lady and I felt like that was a little bit of a ripoff. I do think yeah. that his life was a little bit ripped off. He had plans to go to Alaska, to travel. He'd bought some things to do things. He was an avid fisherman and he wanted to go to Patagonia, you know, Scotland. We oh, wanted yeah. to travel. We wanted to do all these things and he wasn't able to do that. So that's just sort of a ripoff. It he wasn't a, it is a rip-off. He wasn't able to be grandpa, which he would oh. have been fantastic. So, but I can't, you know... I can't go back and change things. I only have today and tomorrow and the next day to go forward on. Yeah, great. Um, I should have asked you this earlier, but I know people listening to this are going to be like, wait, how did you pay those taxes? Yeah. If you didn't have money in your bank account? Because I think this is a common question people have of how do I get immediate cash for funerals and all 
taxes. Right, right, right. So I did have barely enough in there, but my tax guy said, you don't want to exhaust that. You know, you got to yeah. be careful. So I had to pay a few penalties to get everything in order and pay a little bit late. So I wasn't able to file on time for the extension, but we did it quick enough that it wasn't too damaging. Um, and that's where Bob came in, finding out what we could use and how we could get things, you know, put into the right spots. So that was invaluable. Um, I had a lot of advice from people. I still get a lot of advice from people. And that's where you have to check your own gut and see what's comfortable in your own life. Um, some people would say, you know, you shouldn't use one guy to do everything. You should do some things on your own. You should, you should have things here or there or, you know, and that's for us all to decide. Side. For me, I wanted it to be one-stop shop. I wanted to feel comfortable with someone, trust someone, and know that they have it all taken care of. I know some people enjoy that process. They like investing. They like the stock market. That's fun for them. Not fun for me. <laughs> so I wanted someone else who has had expertise to do that, that I trusted. And so that was really important. So I did, I used him for everything, but I know that I don't have to, you know, sweep up this or take care of that. It's all in one spot. So that gives me a lot of peace of mind. Yeah, that's great. So you had a, a team, an accountant, a financial advisor, an attorney. Was there anybody else on your team that you, like, normally people wouldn't think of that was really important to have? Well, you know, I think um, our religion, our faith, what whatever kind of support system you need or you have comes swooping in and just shows you the kindness of humanity and the greatness and service of people. I had people, you know, in my faith, outside of my faith, neighbors, it shows you the good of humans and um, mankind. So that was something that I feel like, okay, I got to pay that forward. It's a little cliche, but the next time I hear someone get diagnosed with cancer, the next time someone has someone pass away, guess what? I want to be that person where those people touch my life for good. Mm -hmm. Incredible people out there. It restores faith in humanity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, was there any other big things you had to tackle and deal with or other big financial lessons you learned going through all of this? Uh, I, I'm just going to go back to the old Boy Scout motto, be prepared. Don't think it's not going to happen to me. You know, um, do the things that you know you should do and do them now because you'll find yourself regretting it and doing them later. A lot more money, a lot more trouble. So I would definitely say do those things now. Um, I'm right now finally working on a trust for everything for you so right? for, for me yeah so now that every all the probate's done now i can start working on some of those other things um i have been dating there's a possibility that with someone would be in my future if i'm going to live to 100 which bob says i will <laughs> then i don't want to be alone for that many more years so i've decided you know that someone might come into my life so you need to make sure things are safe and secure and your kids are taken care of. So if I don't go and do that now, I haven't even learned my own lesson that I'm trying to teach others. I'm a hypocrite, yeah. right? Don't want to be a hypocrite. So I'm taking care of that now. Yeah. 
get a trust done so your kids have it easy, right? Right. So that they have it easy. So that they have it easy. And and like you mentioned about the, you know, if you had a second marriage, a trust would protect their their inheritance from your husband. And so I will go talk to this person that Bob actually referred me to, uh, have a meeting, talk to this person, talk about, you know, uh, trusts, possible prenups, you know, all those big lawyery things that really make a difference in your life and are very important. Because uh, what I've learned through this too is there's a lot of legal stuff. We always say to ourselves, oh, it'll be fine. It'll work out. But legal is legal and it has to be done legally. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's, it's a big deal. Great. Do you mind telling us how dating is going for you? You know what? I started this out. I, I, I spent the first year truly grieving. I couldn't even think about it. Didn't want to think about it. Uh, after the year came, I'm kind of a numbers person with, you know, holidays, set points, uh, New Year's resolutions, that kind of thing. So I said, I'll give myself a year. And then after a year, I slipped my wedding ring off and thought, I'll see how things go. I haven't done online dating. <laughs> I'm a little afraid of that. Um, maybe someday if things don't work out how they have. But I started the process saying, you know, I'm over 50. We're adults. We can probably treat this well. And I can probably be friendly and kind. And, you know, if things don't work out, we can be mature and, you know, keep things on a high level. And I've been able to do that. So... That's great. Where have you met people at? So not going online, you meet people in the realm of your existence, which means your next door neighbor, the guy at your church, the (laughs) guy at the gym, an old high school friend, you know, someone who was previously married to your cousin. (laughs) So that's that's the old fashioned way. Mm -hmm. So it keeps things a little tricky because you still see these people from time to time. But with my beginning and telling myself... I'm going to be friendly always, unless they're dangerous or something, you know, doesn't feel right. I'm going to be friendly with people. And so every single one of these guys that I have dated, I could text them and see them on the street and everything would be peachy keen. So that's nice. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I did online dating for probably six years and it was... I'd rather the awkwardness of seeing somebody <laughs> again, like my neighbor, than doing yeah. online dating again. Well, you know, I mean, and it boils down to, I think it boils down to attitude. Um, sometimes I would feel like there was a movie camera above my head and I would think to myself, I can't believe that just happened. <laughs> I can't believe that person said that. I can't believe I just did this. You know, it was sort of comical, um, depending on how you look at it. But I've really enjoyed it. I'm a people person. I like people in general. I like to see what makes people tick. And so, you know, all those questions you ask them when you're dating, you ask them over and over again and you learn about people. So I just thought it kind of made me a better person to be able to know more people. And I realized that I had heard all the guys I have dated have been divorced. Um, except for one. And I realized there's two sides to that story. I Usually I was hearing from girlfriends, you know. Now I've hear, heard stories from some of these men and I'm very sympathetic to both sides now. Yeah. So it has opened up my world. Oh, that's great. Yeah, to see both sides. 
Yeah, such a learning experience. All of this has been a huge school. Now, you could say school of hard knocks or school of opportunity. Um, My husband said something when he got diagnosed. He said, this is a gift and an opportunity to prove myself and see what I'm made of. And I feel like that has followed through with me. It's sort of a gift and an opportunity to go out there and see how I handle things, what I'm made of, if I can keep my integrity attacked, intact, my um, positive attitude and spirit high. And so far, I think I'm passing. Yeah. <laughs> it's been quite, quite the learning experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, is there anything that's changed in how you spend your money now than when you were married? Because before you had to have shared values with what you did with your money, and now you... It's just you and your own values. Is there anything you've changed? Well, I will say there are some perks to being single. And I can also say that people can get set in their ways. Um, For instance, I used to have dinner on the table at six. Meat, potatoes, you know, the whole nine yards. Hey, now I can go to the gym, come home, eat at nine. That's sort of fun. Now I can spend money the way I want to spend it. Um, My husband liked certain things at the grocery store. I was super frugal. Now I can really go crazy frugal, you know, (laughs) because it's just me. So um, I found that I know what I'm spending. It's all on me. You know, the buck stops here, as they say. So I've been able to do it all my way, which is sort of fun. I'm not opposed to sharing again in my life, but right now I'm kind of enjoying being responsible of everything with everything that I do. Um, I recently recovered a couch, a mid-century modern couch that was in my home in the 1960s. Uh-huh. I recovered it in Leopard because <laughs> guess what? There was no one to say no. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So it's kind of the same with money. You know, there's no one to say no which can be a good thing or a bad thing. Um, if you're a real spendy, spendy type person, there's no one to say no. You might need those restraints. With me, I can get a little bit maniacally frugal. So I need to, s- to have someone say, hey, relax, you know, you can buy this. Like I said before, it did shock me at how much life is paying the bills and not so much the fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's made me, it's kind of a reality check. Does it, so, when you see all the bills, does it make you feel like you can't spend things on fun stuff? I I will do that little trick that I think we do in our heads. Like, wow, with that $5,000, do you know the kind of clothes I could be wearing right now? Do you know the <laughs> kind of shoes I could buy and all that fun jewelry, you know? So try not to play too many of those games because yeah, it'll drive you good. nuts. I'd like to say this money's designated for that. And, and then I have my fun money, but it does make me realize, um, life is a lot of reality with a little bit of fun and fantasy mixed in just to make it, you know, (laughs) sort of equal. We have a little, little bit of this and a little bit of that. That's great. Great. All right. Well, Melinda, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and what you've learned along the way. And is there any last thing that you can think of that you want to share with us or any last thing about your husband that you want to tell us about him, like his legacy or, you know, what he was like? Well, you know, I will say this. Um, I was a cheerleader in high school. And so I would just want to be a cheerleader for life for anyone who might be listening to this or in the same situation or find themselves really feeling like 
this is just too big. I can't do it. I would say you can. And I am so grateful for my husband, um, for his life, for what he taught me. Um, Scott, my husband, is just always going to be with me. I will always be grateful for him. He showed me the way. Now I feel like I need to just keep that path going, keep walking forward. Um, I will miss Scott every single day. I'll think about him every single day and I will always be grateful. And so will my kids. And I'm so glad to be here with you. Um, I've really enjoyed myself. It kind of makes me realize we're all in this together, this life, you know, and we all have hard things. That's the nature of living. That's existence. That's why we're here to learn, grow, you know, move forward hopefully always up. And so thank you for the opportunity to do this. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. That was so many great lessons you've learned. (laughs) Thanks so much. Melinda is a client of our firm and was not paid for this interview. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you want to know more about us and what we do, visit our website, rockhousefinancial.com. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Rockhouse Financial is an SEC-registered investment advisor, and the opinions expressed on this show do not reflect the opinions of Rockhouse Financial or any other sponsors of the podcast. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.